Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast, your source for transformational preaching, uplifting testimonies, and authentic conversations about how you can grow in your relationship with God and live out His purpose. In the early 1960s, a young family from Cincinnati, Ohio, felt a call to missions work. Reverend James and Martha Burton were appointed to serve as missionaries in Venezuela for the United Pentecostal Church in 1962 when their first child was only a few months old. They sold everything and moved. When they arrived in Venezuela, there were three small churches and about 75 saints. In 40 years of ministry, over 1,600 students have graduated from their Bible colleges and 1,200 of them are currently involved in ministry. And now there are over 100,000 saints in Venezuela. To God be the glory. In the early 2000s, the Burtons would move back to Cincinnati as retired missionaries and began serving on the Calvary Church pastoral team. In 2008, Reverend James Burton passed away, and since that time, Reverend Martha Burton has continued to serve on the pastoral team here at the Calvary Church and helps at several of the Spanish-speaking churches in the area. This podcast is a recording of Reverend Martha Burton speaking recently at a Calvary Church life group called the Venezuelan Chronicles. We hope the stories you hear will inspire your faith and encourage your soul as she shares what it means to live the will of God at any cost. I wanted to show you a picture of the church. Uh, uh, This was the church in 19... 29 or 30. My brother's on here, my mother and father, and my grandmother. So you can pass that around if you like. It just gives you an idea of what the church was. This is the church in Venezuela? No, yeah. that's here in Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnati. Okay, very cool. Yes. Um, so I really went to church before I was born. So I, I am thankful for my heritage, but... Uh, that doesn't give us any, uh, what they would say in, in Spanish is palanca. It doesn't give you any, a whole lot of advantage except, you know, uh, I have no excuse when it comes to not doing something with my life because I've been in church all my life. I'll soon be 86 in November. And... Uh, I give my life to the Lord at a very young age. I was eight years old when I was baptized. And that was during uh, when they announced the Second World War. And I think that had something to do with me being as turned on to God as I was because it was something that affected my life. And, of course, I wanted the in my childlike mind, I was praying for uh, the war that it wouldn't kill all the men because I didn't know who I was going to marry. <laughs> Which is ridiculous because it wouldn't even have been my age, but I, that's what I was worried about. <laughs> but from the very beginning, when I was very young, and missionaries came through. Um, I noticed that I was the only one that was that moved. I would be crying, and 
I can tell you even the text that most have been used in their names. And for an eight-year-old child, that's pretty amazing. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I was about 12 or 13 when uh, I had, had been a, a, a meeting, a missionary meeting, and I was crying, looked around, everybody was kind of just normal. So I, I asked the Lord, I said, why, why am I so broken and nobody else? And it was just a very simple answer that a 12-year-old could comprehend. Someday you will be on a mission field. And you know, it took 15 or 16 years for that to come to pass. And we were 20, I was 28, my husband was 32 when we went to the mission field. And it, it was a long journey. And that's what I want to give you some of the journey along the way. After I got to be a teenager and um, first met my husband, I was 15, and uh, we went on a date. He was in the front seat, and I was in the back seat. <laughs> One of those, you know, where you went out like that, but um, they kidded him about being with somebody that was 15 years old because they said, you're out with the baby. So he didn't. we didn't even consider going, he didn't consider going out with me again until uh, I was 16, and there was an empty seat there, and somebody, he came up and said, can I sit here? I said, if you want, and uh, it started from there, and we started dating, so he sent somebody in, he said, so, what is, find out what Martha thinks about me, and so she came in, and I remember her asking me, I said, oh, he's a lot of fun, but I would never want to marry him. Well, that was a challenge, believe me. I think he took it to heart that he was, he had to find out about that. So uh, it was probably uh, 16 when we started dating, and we dated for uh, two years. But while I was 17, he got called to the Korean War, and... Uh, <clears throat> So my mother said, well, there's no marriage while he's in the Army. So I said, that's fine. But then uh, when he didn't go overseas, and that was a matter of an answer to prayer because his sergeant said, you're on the list to go out. I'm making up a letter. If you get this in in time, it will, I'm dating at a different time. Get it in, and uh, we'll see if we can beat this. And so... He was in finances. He never had to even leave the United States. So my mother said, well, she saw the letters and the phone calls and all the rest. So she said, well, you can get married. So we married when he was in the Army. And uh, I went, I was working for a Jewish man in an overhaul factory doing billing. And uh, he let us park our 13-foot trailer on his lot. Um, I'm telling you, you could spit from one side to the end of that trailer. That's how small it was. And in hot weather. Um, during that time, that one year of his service, we were in Rising Sun, Maryland, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, St. Louis, Missouri, um, Indianapolis, did I mention, uh, Fort Kilmer, New Jersey. 
in a year's time. And uh, but when we were in uh, first went to uh, Maryland, they I had a kidney infection, so I went to a doctor who was very famous at that time. And you had to wait until even in the late hours to uh, see him. And he told me I could never have children. He said, you're very young, so he said, nobody's going to do anything for a long time, but you won't have any children until you have an operation. And so I went home and cried the night through, because my mother had had the same problem. When she came into church, she saw these prayer lines, and they said, she said, do I have to tell them what's wrong with me? And they said, no, because she couldn't have children. And they had been married several years, and she hadn't had any. So she went through the prayer line, and that's when my brother uh, came along. And there's five and a half years between my brother and me. And so I cried the night through, and I said, well, that's the fastest prayer I've ever had answered. In two months, I was expecting. <laughs> so, so that was uh, all those trips around the United States. Um, was while I was pregnant. And while we were in St. Louis, it was a hundred over a hundred sometimes, and I was in a 13-foot trailer. You could touch the top, you know, almost. He was in finance there, and I don't think they had air conditioning, and he, there were people fainting there. So, you know, I got introduced to traveling from the time we married almost till the time uh, till we retired. It was traveling. And uh, so after that, we finally married. I was 18. And uh, he served his time. We got, he got out. And we were just, you know, kind of passing normal, normal life. Nothing was mentioned about. When he had asked me to marry him, he said, if you marry me, would you be willing to go to the mission field? And I didn't say anything about my calling because I didn't want him to think I was just, I hadn't mentioned it before, that I would make it up. So I didn't say anything. Um, I know some people have different ways of doing that. Sister, uh, the merchant who went to Brazil, she made no bones about it. She says, I'm not marrying anybody who don't want to go to Brazil. <laughs> And they had a marvelous work, let me tell you. Uh, they were there for years. Most people couldn't stay over three years in Manaus, and they stayed there for years. I think it was like 40-some years in that. And, I mean, marvelous, marvelous work that they'd done there. We got to visit there. And uh, when I first told the Lord I would be willing to go on a mission field, I told him the only thing is I want an exciting life. <laughs> well, I've been in about 33 countries, so there came a time when I said, well, you know, that's enough, Lord. I'm satisfied. I've had enough. And uh, so everything was going pretty normal. Um, when my third boy, we were, and of course we didn't know it was a boy then. I had four boys in a row. And um, I was with uh then Alan, and expecting, I was almost my time when one of his friends called and said, hey, why don't you come to Bible school? 
I don't know if they had talked before. I don't know. We were building a new house. I had have laid the fountain. We did the something while I was pregnant. Here he is. Okay. We're going. You know, so up we go. Uh, I had my I'm baby here in Cincinnati, and then we went at the midterm to ABI. And uh, that's how we got started there. While we were in Bible school, uh, we decided we were going to go to Mexico and study language. So we took out a loan on our car, and we had saved canned food for a long, long time. And uh, we had four boys by that time. Uh, Lowell was one month old when we decided to make the trip to Mexico. And wouldn't you know it, right before we leave, Lonnie comes down with the mumps. So I called the doctor said, no, throw him on the back seat, he'll be fine. He said, well, probably the other kids will get mumps when you get there, except the baby. And that was true. That's what happened. But we were going, uh, my husband was working with a missionary that was from another church group. And she had married a Mexican. So they said, well, you can, he's going to go with you and you can stay in there at their house. It was in a little uh, Mexican place called Bayas. And so off we went with four kids and uh, alone on a car for five, I think it was about six or seven months. Uh, I mean weeks. I was during Bible school. Uh, thing. He had to quit his job. So when he got back, um, they asked him if... Um, if he would come back and they would give him a, uh, his friend called and said, don't tell him you want the same. Tell him you want a raise because things are hectic here. They want you back. So he went in with the raise. But we got back with just about enough money to buy some hamburger meat. And we broke open a bank that we had been saving to buy a piano. <laughs> and that's what we got by with until we got a paycheck. Uh, I don't know, we did things that I look back on and I think, oh my goodness, how irresponsible work we with these kids. <laughs> you know? But here we were in Mexico, you know, living in this guy's, he had a little, um, a little lean-to, well, it wasn't too bad, out by, the, out by the river, and so we bought a little thing to cook our stuff in, you know, and... and uh, Sometimes we'd go in and have breakfast. And I remember the one thing I remember was I thought Mexican ate pinto beans. These were red beans and they were served with every meal. I kid you not. I don't care what meal you went to, that's what you were going to eat. So I said to my husband, I said, I don't think I can face another bean. And so he said, okay. It was a side dish, you know. So we told, told the man, it was a small restaurant, you know, we said, oh, we don't want any more beans. He said, well, it doesn't matter. You're going to pay the same whether you have them or not. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what happened to the pinto beans, but we had these red kidney beans every meal. But it was, it was a learning process, you know. We were supposed to have a, my, uh, a professor and we got one that was a lady, and uh, we paid 35 cents an hour. And I think that's about what she was worth. <laughs> because, 
Bridget would point and say, Paul Red, four. <laughs> and then we learned a few words, you know, to, to get by with what we ate, you know. But uh, anyway, it was a learning process. And some nights when we were traveling back through there, we did get to visit a lot of places. We went everywhere while we were there. New uh, Mexico City, uh, Santa Barbara, Tampico, uh, Alcapoco. I mean, you know, we got to see a lot of things and do a lot of things. But going back through some of those towns at night, there was one night I remember I didn't hardly sleep because they paid somebody to stand at the outside the door. <laughs> and I was, that was my first, you know, being a kind of have sense enough to be scared because here we were out by the river where anybody could kill all of us and they'd have never known until maybe a day or two later that something had happened. But anyway, that was one of our, our things in Bible school. Then we were, uh, he graduated, we, when he was still in school, we worked at St. Paul Park um, and helped Brother Manier, uh there for a few months. Then uh, we were already had gone before the board four times. Uh, we went out under Brother Stairs. I think we served under five directors of missions. But we went out, and we were the, one of the last out under Brother Stairs. And uh, so we had, we had gone there, and uh, I was having Lisa. Lisa was just a few weeks old when they finally said, come to conference again. I said, I'm not going this time. She's just too young. So um, he went, and he called back, and he said, uh, well, we got our appointment, and I was, we were, you know, on the phone, and um, I said, oh, great, and they said we were going to Uruguay. That's where we had done our three or four months little tour. That's all we got at that time, and um, so he said, you know where we're going? I said, sure, Uruguay. He said, no, because I knew the people from Uruguay. I'd studied under Sister uh, Tolstoy while she was in a camp here. So I said, sure, we're going to Uruguay. They said, no, you're not. We're going to Venezuela. I said, wow, where's that at? (laughs) And the funny part was, before, when we were still in Bible school, there was a missionary came through, and they were missionaries from Indonesia. And so they fell in love with Brother Burton, I guess, because... We had them at our house there in Knoxville, the little town when we were working with uh, Brother Lumpkin and his wife. And they said, no, Brother, Pavli- uh, Brother Norris, and if you know Brother Norris, you just don't, you don't buck him. He said, you're going to Indonesia? I'm raising half the fair. Brother Kurtz is raising the other half. And my husband's eyes crossed and his mouth fell open. He said, Martha, what am I going to do? And to me, it didn't matter because I didn't have any certain place. But when he was Trinity and out in Arizona, he had had a dream that he was in a boat and he was pulling these South American people into the boat. 
And so he says, I don't feel like that we're called to Venezuela, uh, to Indonesia. And I said, well, you want to tell Brother Norris? (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm not volunteering. So he said, no, but I don't feel like I want to go there. And I so we had visited with the Purdue's and I said, well, we better start praying because this looks like a done deal to me. So we started praying. Would you believe the door shut that even the Purdue's couldn't go back? And so that's when we got appointed to Venezuela. Um, and that was really a shock to us. We didn't realize we would go, be going there. We didn't know anybody there. We had already talked to Tallstead, you know. Um, but then we started writing to the missionary that was there at the time. And would you believe that the first time we went over, we went over on a Dutch freighter. We had so many barrels that we were allowed, and we took all those. And um, we had different rooms because there were so many of us. There was bunk beds. So my husband was in one with a couple of kids, and I was in one with a couple of kids. And then Lisa, she had a basket. That was her, what she slept in there. Of course, there were no throwaway diapers then, so I washed out diapers and hung them in the porthole to dry diapers. <laughs> Very fun. Uh, the only thing is, I get seasick. I get car sick even. So it was not a happy time. So they were saying, whenever you feel sick, just call for some food. So, and, and take a pill. So I... I was taking these pills and eating, you know, and, and finally, when I called the last time, the sailor that came up said, listen, lady, if you take any more, you're going to be sicker than the dog. Well, I said, okay, so I didn't take any more, but I got sick the last day. I just couldn't hold out any longer. I just let it go. Uh, but we were almost there. We were seven nights. We spent the night before we left. We left from New Orleans. And we spent the night on board, and then um, we were six days. And we landed in Venezuela in Maracaibo. And, uh, of course, here's Lonnie was uh, nine. Uh, Larry was seven. Then Alan was six. Um, Lowell was three. And uh, Lisa was eight months. Here we are. All our worldly goods was in about seven barrels (laughs) and a few suitcases. And that's when we landed in Montecaibo. Well, I think you deserve to be able to sit down and talk. I'll try it. That was in in 1962. So that was quite a while ago. Um, well, let's see where we at. Oh, you know, um, we never thought about it. We were on the mission field many years before I ever it ever dawned on me that Brother Burton received his calling or this dream that he had out in Arizona 
at about 17. I had my calling about 12 or 13. And there's three and a half years between our ages. So we had our calling about the same time. I was here in Cincinnati, and he was out in Arizona. And we never, I had never put that together, you know, until we had been on the field many, many years. And I thought, you know what? It's just amazing how God plans things out, you know? We, we don't realize uh, just what God has planned for us. And I was telling Sister uh, Teresa before we came in here, I was so backward. I, if I stood up to testify and they called on me, I couldn't even remember my name. No joke. I mean, it was horrible. And then we went to Bible school, and um, it wasn't too much better. Uh, I remember Brother Johnson had asked us to do a um, one on world world um, on world uh, uh, things that were happening in the world uh, in politics and that. So I said to my I said to Jim, I don't know what's going on in this. I don't know. So he says, well, don't worry, I'll write it. So here he writes this thing, and I'm sitting there waiting for him to call me to give this thing, and the whole bench is moving. And my, uh, we went to Bible school. Brother Lumpkin was, my, was our class president, and Sister uh, Lumpkin was, and myself was the only married ones in, in the class. So... Uh, she was sitting alongside of me, and, and the bench was moving, and she looked at me, and she said, Martha, I thought I was bad, but honestly, you're worse than me, honestly. <laughs> that bench was shaking. I do not, I'm not exaggerating. And finally, I got up and got through what he had written, and Brother Johnson said, that is so amazing. I've not seen a woman that would take a topic like that. <laughs> so I'm just so much. I thought, don't let him ask me any questions on it. I would not know how to answer. <laughs> but, you know, it's amazing how God can use us. And uh, I guess sometimes he does use those that are... I think back and look at the disciples, you know. They were just fishermen. They had no education. The only one who had education was Luke and Paul, practically out of them. You know, some of them were just fishermen that hardly probably couldn't do much at all. But God used one of those to be the leader and give him the keys to the, to the kingdom. And he opened the doors for the Gentiles and for the Jews. Isn't that amazing? You know, sometimes we think, oh, I'm not qualified. I'm not ready. And I remember one time we were at camp, um, and Sister Pasley came to me and asked me to introduce a song. All she wanted me to do was introduce the song they were singing, the choir from our church, I guess, or from the, the, from the, uh, uh, from the camp at that time. So I said, no. I was praying. Praying up a storm, you know. Oh, Lord. She pats me on the shoulder. Would you please enter? No. No. And she begged me. No. And, but God used that. I felt so bad after that. I said, I will never say no again. No matter how bad I make a mess of things. 
at least they won't say I didn't try. You know, and sometimes it's not because we're, we're worried about ourselves. I know one teacher said that in Bible school, and I thought, you know, that's true. I'm not worried about God so much as and what what's going to happen. I'm worried about what they think about me. And you need to just get behind that and forget it. Well, I got my chance when we got to Venezuela because uh, you try using a, a, an accordion to lead some of these people. Uh, it was all right when the church had about 50 people, you know, and you have a mic. But when it gets to be 3,000 people and you're trying to lead them with, a, with an accordion, not very much fun, I'll tell you. And when there was just a few people, you'd have somebody that thought they could play the guitar. He only played in one key, if any, and I don't know what one that was. So you have somebody playing in their key when you're trying to figure out where they're at. So it was not fun with the music, I'll tell you. But God bless me. You know, I didn't, I didn't know how to play the accordion except by note. And when we went there, the missionary, I played for her. She did the choirs, and I played the music I had in front of me. But when they left, I knew they were going to do courses, and there's no music. So I practiced three songs. Would you believe after they left, whoever was leading that night called those three songs? I was so relieved. Because I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know where they're going to go with this. But you know, God is so good. If we use what we have, really, if we use what we have, that's what Moses done, you know. And it certainly wasn't much. You know, he picked up that stick and he didn't know that it was... God was going to be using that like he did. You know, so we have to give God what we've got. You start from where you're at. Missionaries, um, my mother said I didn't know I was raising a missionary, and that was true. I had a very strong will at home. And uh, so, but it didn't show other places because I was too afraid. Back then, you know, children were... uh, seen but not heard and uh, I, I am so thankful for my parents though I really am I'm thankful for knowing the truth you know and for the for the background that I had I, I, I can't thank God enough that I knew the truth from the beginning you know Brother Burton came in through uh, Trinity Pentecost and it's amazing how when he came to Cincinnati, uh, while he was working in Hamilton, he met a woman, Sister Childs, who um, said to him on the bus, they were talking about baptism. And she said, well, you're supposed to be baptized in Jesus' name. And my husband said, that's right. And she said, are you baptized in Jesus' name? And he said, no. Well, my son will pick you up tonight for church. And that's how he started coming to church. But he knew the truth because a Mexican friend that he had had witness that was oneness to him, but he had never acted on it. He believed it, but he hadn't taken action on it. 
So God plans our life all along in steps. Now, the next time we talk, I'm going to talk about uh, some of the things that happen in Venezuela, which I'm sure that's what you were wanting to hear mostly. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of background before we went there. And uh, we worked with the Lumpkins. I wondered, I thought, while we were there, it snowed two feet or three feet of, of snow. And it was so cold. It was 32 below. My, our, our little turtle froze in the back of our heating stove. The bathroom that we had off of that room, the toilet froze and broke the bowl. Our pipes were frozen. And uh, we had a dear sister that said, once you girl, you pack up those kids and come to my house. They, she had a new house. And uh, away we went to there. But, you know, I thought, at that time, I thought, my goodness, I thought we were going to South America. Why are we out here in all this snow and cold? <laughs> Can you imagine two feet of snow? And it was 32 below. You could walk right on top of it. I mean, you didn't sink into it. It was that cold. The wind was that cold. That was in Knoxville, Iowa. But... You know, even there, we had friends that we never, never uh, dreamt would, would be part of our life. When we came back on our first mission term, Lonnie and, and the four boys uh, and the girl, Lisa, stayed with the decks. The other boys stayed with uh, saints that had farms uh, in Knoxville, Iowa. So God had a plan for all that. Where would we? We couldn't have traveled with that many children, especially at that time. Uh, we had Louis, who was our Venezuelan, uh, who was three years old. He got to hate the car, and he'd go in and order off the menu, and it better come back looking like that, you know. <laughs> and sometimes he wanted a McDonald, and, and the woman would say, "I'm sorry, honey, we're not the McDonalds." <laughs> but you know, God had it all lined up where we could leave our children, and I didn't have to worry. Uh, Prissy, uh, Lisa was um, uh, probably about seven, and she fit right in with the decks, and that's the church we had left from. So God knew what he was doing, snow or no snow. <laughs> so I, I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at in your walk, and it took 20 some years before that calling was ever done. So, you know, you think, while I have a calling, why hasn't God done something? Why isn't something moving? But he's preparing you. If you really have a calling, God will bring it to pass. And it did come to pass. And I'm so thankful that I wouldn't trade my life for anybody's. Really, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have missed out on those 30 years in Venezuela. Brother Burton was over the South America for six years, and I get to travel all those countries and minister in some of those. And then we had our world conferences, and we went to Jamaica, Trinidad, Tobago, um, all these places I got to visit, you know. I went to Israel twice. I mean, we went to the Philippines, to China, to Hong Kong. 
And you think about a poor little girl that's too afraid to say her own name. And I said, I want an exciting life. Be careful what you ask for, you might get it. Well, I'm just going to say God bless you until the next time. And thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. We pray that this episode was a great blessing to your life and inspires you to live out the will of God at any cost. You can find out more information about the Calvary Church at thecalvarychurch.com. We hope to see you soon. God bless.